0: talent uh, to give that back to the Lord today. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate that so much. I am blessed uh, as I sat here uh, taking that in and and worshiping as I listened to that incredible song. uh, Just reminded of how humbling it is to be your pastor, to be able to preach God's word on this Christmas Sunday. Thank you. Thank you for the honor to be your pastor. And I Thank you for being here today. What a wonderful time it is, Christmas, amen? Amen. And uh, as we have been in this Advent season and anticipating this week, we are anticipating Christ's coming once again, and we look forward to that day together, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, If you have a bulletin and you want to get that out, if you want to take notes and follow along, I welcome you to do that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn in the book of Luke uh, to join me in the book of Luke this morning, uh, right smack dab in the middle of the Christmas story, and we want to look at a few different things today uh, that I believe God wants to reveal Himself through in His Word this morning. And uh, I was reminded this week uh, of a special kind of love on this Love Sunday of Advent, Did you realize that the love of a good mother is a wonderful thing? All the mothers said amen. All of those that have a mother, say amen. Amen. All of you who are here because of a mother, say amen. Amen. Did I get everybody? (laughs) The love of a good mother is a wonderful thing. So wonderful, in fact, that uh, a holiday has been set aside to celebrate those special people. And you might be thinking, well, that's not Christmas. We don't celebrate our mothers at Christmas. No, it's Mother's Day. But we've set aside a a specific holiday for Mother's Day. And today is not Mother's Day. But uh, I want to remind us of that special love of a mother today. If we're not careful and we look at our text that we're about to read this morning, it would be easy for us to focus only on the mother's perspective. We'll see two mothers who love their children, who are willing to do whatever is needed to show their love in special ways. I am very blessed in many ways, but I am blessed because I have a wonderful earthly mother, and I was blessed to be able to spend some time with her this past week, and uh, I'm so thankful for my mother, Mary. Mary. And yes, that is her name. I know we'll be talking about Jesus' mother, Mary, but my mother's name is Mary, so it was easy for me to be really understand what Jesus went through to have a mother named Mary. What a wonderful name that is, and I'm thankful for my mom, uh, Mary. It, it seems fitting for me that every Christmas I get to, to be thankful for, for my mom and be reminded of that. My mom has a special kind of love for her, for her children the love of many mothers, and we're going to talk about that as as well today. But my mom, she still wants to make memories with me, and I'm thankful for those opportunities. Earlier in in this month, uh, as we were planning to to have my mom and dad come, I sent my mom a a text message, and I said, Mom, I know that your mother was a special woman, and uh, my grandma, and she was a great, great woman who loved her children and grandchildren dearly, and she loved to make memories with us as well. And my mom has carried that tradition down. And one of those things that my grandma did was she made the best cinnamon rolls. And uh, she, was, she was famous for these cinnamon rolls. And, and so I texted my mom and I said, I know that many people have not tried to duplicate Grandma Waddle's recipe, but would you bring that with you? And we want to make a memory of trying to make Grandma Waddle's cinnamon rolls. And my mom was so excited. (laughs) She was so excited. And we got everything ready and we made a little mistake. Um, We doubled an already doubled recipe. So we have a ton of Grandma's cinnamon rolls at our house and uh, we have been enjoying them. But it was so good to make that memory as as we began to prepare the, the ingredients and we began to start the day as we were making those memories, one of those things that's associated with memories is, is smell and the aroma of certain things. And, and I remember as, as my grandma would prepare cinnamon rolls, and she would use every one of our, uh, our help in this process, which to me, there were times as we were doing this, I thought, you know what, just people who aren't helping get out of the way, you know? But, but my grandma and my mom were not like that. They were just like, come on. Come on, let's do this together. Let's, let's make this memory together. We began to, to put things together, and you have to let things sit and, and work. And so we left the house, and we came back later that day. And I remember walking into the, to the living room of our house, and the aroma of that dough being prepped rushed me back to a time of being in my grandma's home and making those memories with her. And my mom loved every minute of it this week as she would show her love by wanting to share these memories and everything that was said and every action that was made showed how much my mom loved me and loved my family. And I'm so thankful for the love of a great mother. My, my mom's love, it goes beyond biology as well and I'm thankful for that as we have entertained more family over the years. As families go through their dysfunction and their different things that happen, my mom has been so loving to everyone who we call family, and I'm so thankful for that. Family takes on different shapes and sizes, doesn't it? And sometimes we can't always control what family looks like. But this type of motherly love is very valuable. Very valuable. But if we reduce love to the love of these mothers, I believe we will miss a place that has been reserved for what God's love for us really is about. We would miss a very miraculous way in which true love for everyone goes beyond our little boxes of motherly love. Scott Daniels in your outline, if you're taking notes, jot this down. He says, love True love is not just about feeling or connection. Love has something very much to do with faithfulness. With faithfulness. I want us to look at love a little bit differently today through our text this morning. And so I want you to follow along as I read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning with verse number 26. Luke 1:26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Your word that is sharp, your word that is active, your word that is still working today, and we give you praise for that. May your word come alive today, God, as we dive into your word. And may the miracle of preaching take place where you hide me behind your cross. And may the words you give me to speak be your words as they resonate in our hearts and lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I think it's important for us to see some awesome realities and comparisons to the love we read about in this text from a mother, but also as we dive deeper into the Father's love for us. Would you join me on this journey this morning as we look at this a little bit closer? The first thing I want us to see today is that this is a new mother's love that we read about. You see both Mary and Elizabeth, they're relatives They're both pregnant and they're both expecting a child that will be life-changing in so many ways. And I want us to look at these new mothers and the love that they have for their children. Let's look at Elizabeth first. Let's jump through Elizabeth, and if you're taking notes, we're going to go through these really quick so that we can kind of spend some time here and sit here for a minute. But Elizabeth, things we need to see about Elizabeth that are important. Elizabeth, when Mary finds out about Elizabeth, Elizabeth is six months old. Pregnant. In other words, at this point in her pregnancy, you cannot deny the baby is there. We also see that God is doing a new thing in an older vessel. I wanted to be very careful how I phrase that. God is doing a new thing in an older vessel. It's His word, not mine, okay? So if you're going to be mad at anybody, be mad at Luke, okay? But God is doing something new in an older vessel. Then the third thing we want to look at from Elizabeth's life is that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they prayed for this baby. And God answered their prayers and he gives them instructions. And he gives them instructions. Let's look a little bit closer at Elizabeth's love for her new baby. She's in the sixth month of her pregnancy as, as we catch this in the story. And it's an important beginning place for this text because this is where the miraculous conception comes to real life. Jesus, God is doing a new thing through Elizabeth and through Zechariah's life. And this miracle conception of John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth is something we need to be very mindful of. And I believe it's very important as we look at this that we understand why the sixth month is so important. This is the place in the pregnancy where for most people, and I've never never had a child, believe it or not, okay? So I don't know all of that that goes into this, but I do know this as a husband of a wife who has bore children, Usually at that six-month mark, there's no denying that something is different. Am I right? Some of you are scared to say it, but it's natural, okay? It, it just happens. And, and I don't even want to talk about my wife, per se. I started to show the reaction of six months of pregnancy. I began to put on weight that I still have not gotten off. And all you dads said, Amen. You see, at the six-month mark, there's, there's a physical change that's going on that is happening that you can't deny that something is new, that something is going on. But we need to realize something from Elizabeth and Zachariah's pregnancy here, that this was not the first time that God had done this miracle. You see, this first miracle of Elizabeth and Zachariah having a baby gives us a glimpse into the abounding faithfulness of God throughout the Old Testament. Let me remind you of some realities of this miracle that's taking place. If we go back and we rewind to the, in the Old Testament, we see Sarah in her older age was con- conceived and had a baby that God promised to them. We see, as we go through the Old Testament, we see about Hannah who prayed and she prayed fervently for a child at the temple, that she would dedicate this baby to the Lord. You see, God works in unexpected ways to illustrate his love and his faithfulness for his children. Amen? God is in the business of doing new things out of the old. And that's the other thing we need to see from Elizabeth's pregnancy here. He's doing a new thing out of the old. This is important because it shows God's hand and his will in spite of the circumstances. We talked about God's timing when it it comes to having peace a couple of weeks ago. That God's timing is perfect, and even when we don't see his timing coming to fruition in our minds, how we feel it should happen, that we can still experience God's peace when we trust him. Because his timing is perfect. Do we see it here as well? God's timing for Zechariah and Elizabeth, in their minds, I'm sure seems late. We, we, we read into that as we read the story and we read about Zechariah's interaction with the angel as he's doing his priestly duties and he, he goes in and it's revealed to him that his wife is, is going to be pregnant and have a son. Zechariah's in disbelief. Why? Because he's old. How can this be? And God does something very miraculous in Zechariah's life. Men, we need to get this, okay? He shuts his mouth. That's valuable information, men, okay? There comes a time in our lives where God just wants us to shut our mouth. Amen? All the women said amen. amen. Thank you, appreciate that. But Elizabeth, even in her old age, there was, there was some question, there's why, God, are you doing this new thing in us even though we're older, even though we're older, and he's doing this new thing out of the old to show his faithfulness and his love and that his timing is perfect. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they prayed for this baby. They prayed for this. Their fervent prayers did not go unheard. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? God knew he was going to answer their prayer. God heard their cries, and he knew he was going to answer their prayer. But they just didn't know his timing. Now was the time. They had prayed and prayed and prayed, and now God answers their prayer. But he gives them some instructions to go along with this blessing. I think that's important for us to see and realize as well. I tell people this all the time. As I became a new, a new father, for the first time, I, I remember going back to my dad and saying, Dad, can I have your handbook on how to do this? Where's the instruction manual for these snot-nosed kids? There isn't one. There isn't one. There's not a how to raise children for dummies book out there. It's just not there. And I tell people this all the time. Being a parent is one of the most rewarding jobs anybody ever gets to have. But it is also the hardest job that we ever do. Zachariah and Elizabeth prayed for this moment. They prayed prayed and they prayed and they prayed and God answers their prayer and thankfully God gives them some instructions and I'm so thankful because his instructions are still the same for us amen there is a handbook to raising kids and it's right here there's no YouTube video if there is it's not right okay it's this one God's word helps us to raise our children amen and God's word pointed Zechariah and Elizabeth to their instructions on how to raise John the Baptist. From the very moment he was born, to what they should name him, to how they should raise him, he instructs them. Why does he instruct them in this purpose? I believe the answer and the instructions for John the Baptist are again giving us a glimpse of this new mother's love, which is unconditional and it's exciting. But we also see how important it is that God's faithfulness in this moment is what's carrying them. God's faithfulness and his love for his people and his children is an incredible love that helps sustain Elizabeth in her pregnancy. We see a new mother's love through Elizabeth's pregnancy, but we also see it in Mary's pregnancy. Mary becomes part of an old tradition as well with a something new twist for her. You see, a couple things we need to know about Mary's announcement that tie to the Old Testament. This is God at work through the old and the new, and it comes together, and it's married together in Mary's announcement. You see, Mary's announcement comes through an angel of the Lord. Did you realize that this announcement was not the first time that God used this method of communication? It comes through an angel of the Lord. It's an old tradition. And the words come from that angel that say, do not be afraid. If you read your scriptures faithfully, you'll see that that phrase is used over and over and over from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. It's not something new. God's trying to get his people to realize, don't be afraid. I've got this and we also see in Mary's life that this is a miraculous birth but again it's not the first miraculous birth something new comes from Mary's new love as a mother as well we need to see this from her life the first thing that we need to see from Mary's life is this this was an unexpected pregnancy this was different than Elizabeth this was unexpected we also see that there's possible consequences ...for this unexpected birth. And we'll see that there's possible divorce and even death. And we also see from Mary's new love as a mother... ...that she did not pray for this birth. But her response was one of faith and love. Let's tackle these a little bit deeper this morning. Mary's new mother love for Jesus came from an unexpected pregnancy. Mary's pregnancy is different and new from Elizabeth because she did not pray for this. This was not expected for something long, long ago. This is new because it shows once again God's faithfulness and love for his children. This unexpected pregnancy, however, comes with some consequences based on what is known at the time. Those consequences are divorce and death. And we need to unpack this a little bit so we know what Mary and Joseph were going through here. You see, these consequences are things that alarm Mary. As we know, as we study Scripture, and the the smart people that write the big books have told us Mary is just a teenage girl at this time. She's very young. The angel goes and speaks to Joseph. And, and tells Joseph what's going on with Mary because Mary has been told about this pregnancy that's going to come and she says to, to, to the Lord through the angel in this moment, she says, how can this be? Because I am a virgin. I'm not going to go into this on a Sunday morning. You go ask your parents, kids, and they'll tell you all about that. But Mary's a virgin. She can't have a baby. She's engaged to Joseph, but they're not married. So there wasn't a relationship. And let me tell you, I didn't know this until I studied this this week. In this culture, <clears throat> one of the things that was very common was that when the betrothal or the engagement took place, the soon-to-be husband, the, the bridegroom, would go away and prepare for the new life together. And normally, this was away from the family. They would leave. This The Bible says this is why I'm A man leaves his mother and father and they cleave to one another. That's a, that's a marriage relationship, but Joseph is away. So most likely in this context, Joseph and Mary have not even been seeing each other. They haven't even been together when this announcement comes. And so Mary is saying, how can this be? It's unexpected, but the customs say Joseph is away preparing their home, getting things ready to come and to get his bride to celebrate and start their life together. They're not married yet. And so as Joseph gets word of this, Joseph gets a messenger from an angel as well. And Joseph gets told that this is of God and it's going to be okay. I've got this. Just trust me, Joe. It's going to be fine. And Joseph has some options that he gets to weigh out. One of those is because they're not married yet, it is custom, that he could easily, and one of the options that he thinks about, that we read about in Scripture, is that he contemplates divorcing her quietly. They're so far along in this engagement that there's got to be a public separation, okay? And Joseph thinks, you know what, this might be the only way that we can move forward, And and it saves Mary, it saves my family, it saves everybody involved, we'll just go our separate ways. That's one option. Joseph thinks in his human understanding, in his, in his male, I got to fix this problem understanding, this might be the best option. But there's another custom that is law. And I think sometimes we fail to remember this, that because Mary, excuse me, <clears throat> because Mary is about to have a baby, she's pregnant, it's unexpected, she's not married yet, the law says that Joseph has every right To have her stoned to death. I really don't believe in using the pulpit for political gain. But these new mother's stories speak to the heart of why life is so important. If he stones Mary, the baby dies. Elizabeth is six months along when Mary finds out why. And when Mary goes back to Elizabeth, it says in the scripture, and we're going to get to this, that the baby in Elizabeth's room weeped for joy. Tell me there's no life in the womb. It's crazy. Mary and Joseph have options. This unexpected pregnancy gives some possible consequences to what's going on. Now that she's pregnant and Joseph hasn't been around, you know all that could be going on in the gossip train around there. And yet, Mary continues to respond with faith and love. We see God's faithfulness and love for Mary and for Joseph and for Jesus' birth playing out in this family, and Mary's response is faith-filled And filled with love and joy for her new son. So much so that she does go and see Elizabeth. And we read about that joy that Elizabeth feels when Mary's voice is heard. And Mary has another response as well. Mary responds and says in our text, May it be as you have said. But then as she goes to visit Elizabeth, she comes out of that moment And I love this. She she writes a song. And we see Mary's response in chapter 1, verse 46. Let me read her song to you. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. What a response to all that could be happening in her life. And she responds out of faith and out of love. If we stop there, it'd be a great Christmas story. The love of a mother that goes through all circumstances and still endures with faith and love. But I'm so glad that God's love is for all of us. And it goes beyond just the love of a new mother. And I want us to see this. This is very important for us. So let's keep going. And we see That God's plan is for the Father's new family. The Father's new family. The announcement of Jesus' birth, it begins because Mary is highly favored with God. And so this son that she's about to have is not just something for her to enjoy, but it's ushering in a new family for the entire world. Emmanuel, God with us is being born into the world. And as was read earlier in our candle reading, John's account so clearly gives us this purpose. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I'm so glad it doesn't stop and say, God only loved the Jewish people, so he sent his son. I'm not Jewish. That'd leave me out. That'd give me no hope. That'd give me no peace. That'd give me no, no, nothing to look forward to. But God has a plan for a new family. You see, Mary's the focal point of this story. But the true message is of God's faithfulness and his love that God is entering the world through Jesus. You see, a new family is being forged by this birth. And this new excitement Is taking place in the world. You see, before Mary is chosen to give birth to Jesus, we see the family of God in a different Old Testament form. The family of God was only for the chosen people of God. It was based on ancestral heritage. Because your father and his 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 father and his... his his, You see what I'm going at? And it had nothing to do with you or me. It was was because of the ancestors. It was because of the family line. And Jesus is being born through Mary. And this is going to change the old to the new with Mary. Because the father's new family, it's not just biological anymore. Somebody say amen. Amen family was used to be based on biology you see it's it's probably the most natural way however mary i don't know if you knew this mary is not a descendant of the priestly line of david mary does not bore the marks of a traditional jewish man she's a woman it doesn't make sense it doesn't seem to carry on this lineage through biology. You see, family as biology, it just doesn't line up here. Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by Joseph. Joseph is in the line of David. Joseph is more in line of what's expected of the coming Messiah, not Mary. Mary. But by God sending Jesus through Mary and the Holy Spirit, God is changing the family dynamic. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. The family dynamic is new, and God's love is for the entire world. A new family is being forged, and God is breaking forth into this world by becoming a baby, born of a virgin. You see, it's unexpected. It's new, and this new love, this new family continues to show us the new ways that God will continue to show up in unexpected ways to continue His work in His world, amen? The good news for us today is that family's not biological anymore. It's also that the new family is for everyone, no matter who you are. No matter where you come from, no matter where you're at in this moment, we are all loved by God and invited to be a part of this new family. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter how great your earthly mother or father was or wasn't. It doesn't matter how much you have felt or not felt this kind of love. The reality is new and different for all of us now. But this new reality, this new family, it comes with some fine print. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't bring that to light today. Let me give you the fine print today. The fine print is this. It's a lasting reality and it's a pending question for every one of us. You see, a new family is being formed through Jesus Christ Coming to this earth. And it means that you and I, no matter what our past is, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we're facing right now, we are not forgotten by God. And in fact, you and I are invited to join His family. We're not forgotten. He sees us right where we're at. He sees what we're going through. He sees what we've been through. He sees if we had a good mother or we didn't. He sees if we've been hurt by our family or we haven't. He sees all of that. And he says, you know what? I have a plan for you. I have a love for you. I have a new family who will love you and accept you and bring you in and create memories with you and make sure that you're loved and make sure that you're so important and make sure that you are valued. Why? Because he sent his son for you and for me. We're invited to join his family. And so the question becomes, and I love this about our God, Our God is a gentleman. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that our God does not force himself on anybody. He does not make his will supreme by just telling us we have to do something. He's created us for a relationship. And because he's a gentleman, he says to each one of us, I love you so much that I'm going to send my son who's going to come he's going to live this life on earth just like you do. He's going to experience all the things that you experience in the human body. But he's going to be my son. And there's going to come a day when he's going to go to a cross and he's going to die a criminal's death even though he did nothing wrong. Well, why would he do that? I think he looks down at me and he says, BJ, he'd do that because you did some stuff wrong. And I wanna be close to you. So I'm gonna start this new family. You've done some things wrong. You've messed up in your life. You haven't lived right, so now you're out of the family, but I've got a plan to bring you back in. Do you wanna join? Do you wanna come? It's up to you. I won't force you, I won't make you, but I'm gonna send my son to die for you no matter what. He will take the penalty for you. Why? Because God is faithful and his love is for you. The invitation is yours. The fine print is this. You have an opportunity, an invitation to join a family, but you have to decide to accept that invitation. There's an old refrain that's simple yet very powerful. And it says this, Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Within this truth is something deep and powerful and abiding and radical. It's the love of a heavenly father for you and for me. It's an invitation to a new family that we can all be a part of. But it's an invitation that we must Respond to. So I want to ask you today will you accept the Father's love for you today? Will you join His family today? Would you stand with me this morning? As you're standing, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes and would you prepare for? Prayer and our closing time around the table this morning. We just need to take care of this invitation. There's an RSVP that needs to be made today. We got to know how many are coming for Christmas dinner because it's a new family and it's a new opportunity. So, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're here today. And you've never accepted that invitation. And you might be standing there this morning thinking, you know what, preacher? You don't know about my mom. You don't know about my dad. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You're right, I probably don't. But God does. And no matter what you've done or what you haven't done, He still loves you. And he has a plan for your life. And he's inviting you today to join him. And he says to you today, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, I love you. And I want you to come into my family. For, for us to accept that invitation, we have to accept that Jesus died for our sins and that he saves us from those sins because of that death. And we must accept that gift by saying we're sorry for those sins and receiving that free gift of salvation. Maybe you've never done that before, but today you want to join your new family. I want to pray with you. If you've never done that today, and today would be the day that you have a new place at the table in your new family, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning you just raise your hand if you want to accept that gift of salvation amen amen God is so faithful he loves us today maybe you're standing there this morning and you realize that you know what you've had glimpses of that family you know what it's like to be accepted and loved in such a radical way but for some reason you've chosen to go away from it you've tried to do it in your own strength in your own power Today, God's inviting you back. There's room for you at the table. Maybe you need to renew that family commitment today. Renew your life for the Lord. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you as well. Amen. Amen. God is so faithful. God, you've seen every hand that's been raised today. Your invitation is for us all. And so, God, I give you praise and thanks for all the hands that were not raised because, God, that means that they're living for you and they trust in you. They're responding by saying, I'm going to be at dinner, Daddy, because you love me and I love you. Help me to live for you today. God, I pray for those hands that went up that have never been invited to the family before. And today is the first day. God, I pray that as they confess their sins and apologize and say God I'm sorry for doing wrong and living for myself I'm sorry for trying to figure it out on my own but I know that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins they accept that gift today God the angels in heaven are rejoicing because one of your children has come home and we give you praise for that today thank you God God, I thank you for those hands that went up that said, I, I've, I've known that love, but I've gotten away from it. I want to come back to the table. I want to come back to that relationship. God, I pray that from the bottom of their heart today, they pray a prayer that says they're sorry for straying, but they accept your gift of love and salvation once again. God, you are so good to us. And we thank you, for your love for us, that you had a perfect plan for us to join your family and we say thank you for that today. God, would you help us to continue to be faithful as you are faithful to love us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to remain standing this morning if, as we go to the Lord's table as an act of response. And if you received your elements, you can peel that top layer off of your cup and you can take the bread out. Communion is an opportunity for us to respond to God's love and his invitation. It's an opportunity for us to remember what he's done for us. And on this Christmas Sunday, I want to remind you. That God does love you. The Bible tells us that Jesus took the bread and he said to his disciples, This bread represents my body that was broken for you, that was tortured for you, that went through pain for you, that was sacrificed for you. Each time you take this bread, remember the sacrifice and be thankful. As you take the bread today and eat it, would you be thankful? Take and eat the bread. After dinner, Jesus took the cup. And he said to his disciples, his followers, his family, this cup represents my blood that must be shed For your sins. He told them he was going to a cross. He told them he was going to die. But he also told them it was for them. Today. As you hold that cup. I believe his words to us would be the same today. I went to a cross. My blood was shed. For your sins. Every time you take this cup. And you drink it. Be reminded and be thankful. Take and drink. Father God, you are so faithful to us. Your faithfulness reminds us of your unconditional love. A father's love. A new family. An opportunity to join together for everyone to be a part of this celebration. Thank you for that sacrifice. Thank you for making a way for each and every one of us. May we leave here thankful to be a part of the family of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As you go today, go knowing God loves you and so do I. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock for Prelude.